Hey, it's Adam Franklin, co-author of Web Marketing That Works, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today I'm joined by Adam Franklin, and we're going to talk about the book he has co-authored with Toby Jenkins, Web Marketing That Works, Confessions from the Marketing Trenches. Adam and his co-author are founders of Blue Wire Media, a marketing agency in Australia. They're also hosts of the podcast with the same name as their book, Web Marketing That Works. Adam is an international social media speaker, and his Blue Wire Media blog has been named as one of Australia's best business blogs for four years now. Also, of special interest to you, the listener, Adam and Toby have released 33 free marketing templates, which you can download at their site, which is linked to in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Adam, congratulations on web marketing that works, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for those kind words, Douglas, and thank you for having me. And I, I would go through and tell the listener what the, the URL is for your site, but it's uh, got the Australian thing, and frankly, a lot of my listeners are either driving or operating dangerous machinery, and I don't want them stopping to try to, to write that down. So but That's be, totally fine. Yeah, there'll be a lot of good things. So the book, the foreword is by David Meerman Scott, which I'm such a big fan of his, and that's uh, so impressive, and he has written 10 books, and he's been on the show. And it's been endorsed by the uh, who's who of marketing book authors. <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm, just, I'm just geeking out for a brief moment here uh, as, as a marketing book geek. But the book, it, the, the direction you go in, in the book, I think you even talk about building blocks. Like, in other words, you start with the strategy and then talk about building your home base and then the idea of not stopping there but getting found online. And then of interest to me, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, is you put social media last, not because you don't like it, but because it works better if you have all the other things. Can you share with the listener the interesting story about you and Toby and your business and what led ultimately to this book? Sure. So it's it's been a long journey for us. Well, it's been over 10 years so far, and we want to try the book to basically put all of our experiences, good and bad, into the book so that clients and, and general people who wanted to learn more about marketing could. And we came to this realization based on, you know, we did tons of reading ourselves, hundreds of books, hundreds of blogs, dozens of conferences and, and interviews with, with um, many of the people who wrote the blurbs for the book that you mentioned so kindly earlier. But we really wanted to distill all the things that we'd learnt and um, put it into a really digestible format. When we started up, we partnered with a lot of advertising agencies and that whole method of marketing, of interrupting people, didn't really sit comfortably with us and we didn't want to subject people to it with our own marketing and it was really good timing because around that same time was when David Meeman Scott was emerging with his book The New Rules of Marketing and PR of course there was Permission Marketing by Seth Godin and a couple of years later Inbound Marketing 
by the HubSpot founders, Brian Halligan and Damesh Shah. And so when we read those books, it really resonated that whole concept of inbound marketing and publishing content on the web that helped people and attracted people in and that you built this permission asset, like Seth Godin would say. So you've got this permission of your audience to communicate with them because you've earned their attention and you've earned their trust with the content that you've published. And that whole philosophy just sat so well with us and it actually gave us the language around what we were experiencing and seeing. And from then on, we've had this much clearer framework of how it all fits together and we've been much better able to explain that to clients. And that has been what we've been doing for the last 10 years is teaching customers, teaching readers, whether it's you know in a paid consulting or speaking capacity or whether it's um, in a free capacity through our podcast and our blog and our templates. But we've been helping pass on all these things that we've learned over the years. And you, when you started your business, you tried all the outbound things. In other words, you all were cold calling. Um, you, were, you were trying to run ads. I mean, it was, at, it was a time when you, were, you tried all that. Yeah, well, we tried all the outbound methods that didn't involve a whole lot of money, Douglas. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we'd just come back. I, I'd been traveling around the world for a couple of years, had no money. Tobes had been playing water polo um, one season professionally, but a lot of it in the, all of it in the Australian team as well. And basically, we started the business and we bootstrapped. And so we didn't have the luxury of being able to throw tons and tons of money at adverts. So we did the outbound stuff like cold calling and knocking on doors, and that didn't work for us. Um, so, yes, we have done a lot of the painful stuff as well. And at one point in the book, you mentioned that the uh, yellow pages were helpful when it comes to standing on them when your picture is taken next to your very tall business partner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the only use we could find for them. Was, uh, and, and you know what? The one photo that we've used in the book, we took one photo one day when we, we didn't have the yellow pages or maybe someone had thrown them out or something, and that's the photo that gets used in the book. So whatever you see in the book, there's the actual height difference between Toby and myself. Okay. Well, we should uh, tell the listeners also, he was on the Australian Olympic water polo team at, was it Athens? Athens 2004. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he played water polo on that team. And uh, given that I've been his mate since grade one, I went over to watch him. Well, Because I, tra- I was traveling the world, I deliberately positioned myself in, in Greece, in the Greek islands, in the, in the months leading up to the Olympics. So I'd always hoped and Toby would always hoped that he'd make the cut. And Assuming that he did make the cut and make the team, I was going to be there. I was actually living in Eos, so I just got a, a ferry trip into Athens and, um, and, and cheered him on as he, uh, as he achieved that dream. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the uh, word asset as it related to Seth Godin. And this is a, a concept that I'm not sure a lot of marketers understand about this modern inbound marketing, as it is often referred to as own versus rented media and having a media asset. Can you explain more about what that's all about? Look, an asset, just like in, in real life with your bank balance or your share portfolio or whatever, an asset is something that has value and increases over t- It compounds in value and increases uh, in value over time, and it typically pays off dividends as well. So in the marketing world, the equivalent of that is what I call this, this web marketing asset that we build, and it's based on content. For example, a blog post that you wrote that you wrote today has a certain amount of value because you're 
sharing it with the world and you're helping people with something. You're helping them solve their problem or you're helping them achieve, uh, helping them towards their aspirational goals. Now, say that same blog post got read next week, somebody who reads it next week is also going to find that valuable. And compared to traditional advertising or non-inbound marketing where you're paying for ads, that that once that advert has run or once that Google ad or Facebook ad has been clicked on, you then have to pay more money to get the next click. So the value of that depreciates very quickly because it you pay, it gets clicked, and it disappears. So back to the marketing asset concept, that blog article that you published this today is valuable next week, next month, and next year. So the more content that you're publishing online, the bigger this asset is of content that people can find and read or listen to and watch and derive value from. Now, the other thing is how it, how it compounds in value over time. So say the blog post that you wrote gets a comment on it tomorrow and maybe five or ten comments on it of people adding to that discussion and then a bunch of people share it to their social networks, which means their followers are now exposed to your content. And then say one of them actually links to it from their own blog because the content was really good. Well, what that means is that people can click on that link and go to the article. They can also see it in, in, in social media. And because you're getting backlinks to that piece of content, that's one of the major signals that Google's looking for in terms of the search engine rankings that you'll now appear higher in the search results. So you can see that this piece of content actually increases in value over time and it's got these these things built into it whereby it's going to continue to be seen over time. And by that I mean it's got the social share buttons, it's got the ability to be linked back to and it's got the ability for, for comments to be left. All ways that can increase the value and increase the visibility over time. Mm-hmm. It's perhaps not unlike planting a tree, and years from now it, it bears fruit or you, you harvest it somehow. And I wouldn't be surprised if on your site you are getting leads and visits for posts that might even be four years old, five years old. Yes, yes. And that's such a, such, it's so exciting. And then you really see the value of that asset. For example, let's talk about the, the major template that I created, co-created with David Meerman Scott. So it's a double-sided document. Um, it's called the Web Strategy Planning Template. And it basically shows people the 20,000-foot view of how the web universe fits together and covers search, it covers social media, backlinks to your website and everything else. Uh, very visual. Now, we actually created that and published it to our website in 2010. And every single day since then, we've had people download it from our website and enter the Blue Wire Media community. Now, it took a fair bit of work to build it in the first place. But every day since then, it's been on our side, working for us, delivering us leads and delivering us backlinks uh, for five years now. And it's still one of our highest performing pages. And the content itself was created five years ago. Now, every year we update it to reflect the, the social networks that exist, but for the most part, day in, day out, working hard every single day. And it's worth noting because often people think of inbound marketing and content marketing being a hungry beast that needs feeding all the time with content, but this goes to show that if you create one or two really good pieces of content, then 
that's so much more valuable because you can publish them and they'll deliver leads and deliver clients and deliver revenue over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Even while you're sleeping. Even while you're sleeping. Yep. Every single day you wake up, you know there's going to be more leads and more people entering your, your uh, ecosystem. Yeah, and I run into a fair amount of uh, companies who aren't dealing with marketing, but uh, people who aren't aware that how much SEO has changed since we're talking about links and that type of thing. And uh, for a number of years, there were these folks that could do on-page tinkering with a website and have it pretty quickly affect their their rankings. And I think there's like a collective memory there where people still think that's that's what it's all about. Uh, but it's not. It's as if Google is trying to shut down people that are trying to game their system. And in your book, you talk about what you should focus on first for SEO is creating good content. And don't worry about the latest Google algorithm update, which probably changes every day anyway. This is true. And the reason I say that is because if you spend all your effort worrying about the latest Google algorithm change, it's designed to punish the baddies. So if you're doing ethical SEO and, and, and publishing good content, the Google algorithm change isn't going to affect you anyway. In fact, it might positively affect you. Every time we hear of a, a hummingbird or a whatever update from Google, we go, yes, that's great because hopefully that will weed out more of the unethical people and we'll be pushing higher across the search um, terms that we want to rank for. And, and so it's worth understanding how Google works um, but not necessarily, but definitely not worrying about each of the Google algorithm updates. And, and the most important thing to understand about how Google works is that really it's trying to reward, it's trying to deliver the best results to the searcher, and in doing so, it, it rewards the content publishers who have the best article or the best content on any given search term. Mm-hmm. And so, say for example, there's. 100,000 or a million search results for web strategy template, then Google's got to firstly find out how many websites on the internet have that, that combination of words on them and then work out who to rank first and then who to rank every single spot down to last. And so it does that by looking at a whole bunch of different signals that people put out on, 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 on the web and by interpreting all of those signals, Google then decides the results. And so the major signal that Google's looking at essentially is the number and quality of backlinks that point into your site. So again, that's other people's websites linking directly to you. So it's an inbound link and sending you inbound traffic. And that's really how you it works. You can't fake those inbound links, really. Well, that's right. No, you, you can't fake it at all because it's outside of your control. You can either write good content that people want to link to or to give it a kickstart, you can actually with with existing relationships you can you can say well you're a supplier why don't i write you a testimonial or something and then you can link back to my site mm-hmm. but the, the, these links that you proactively and strategically build are reflective of real life relationships so they're very valuable and that then google realizes that but yeah you can't manipulate you can't fake another backlink from another site which is why it's so so powerful it's funny i in uh Guy Kawasaki's most recent book, The Art of Social Media, and also in a talk I saw him give recently, he he makes this point of, look, there's 3,000 computer science PhDs working at Google. (laughs) Do you really think 
you're going to be able to outsmart all of those people who are changing the rules every day. He says, stop trying to think you can do that. Just publish great content. And it reminds me of another uh, expression I've heard. It's something like, Google doesn't love you until everyone else loves you first. <laughs> That's really good. And it's a really good point you make that, yeah, there's 3,000 smart engineers in Google. You're not going to outsmart them, or at least not for very long. And secondly, they're not. They, they, yes, they're changing the rules, but it's only to improve the rules and, yeah. and improve, to improve the results. So it's not like they're saying, here's the goalpost today and tomorrow they're changing. All they're saying is that goalposts are getting narrower and you've got to deliver better and better content. And we're, the reason we're making it narrower is because there was people cheating the system and we need to kick them out. Mm-hmm. So if you're ethical and, and write good content and, and want to help people, yeah, Google's your best friend. Google's going to continue to reward you with good quality search results and, and high visibility. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you what to do. I yeah. saw a, a talk uh, Rand Fishkin gave. In fact, it might have been the same conference we were at together, where he said if he could break into Building 43 at Mountain View, California, where Google is, and find out what the secret sauce is of their search algorithm, it would be something like publish really good content that people want to share and link to. <laughs> <laughs> Period. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so, so true. So it's it's interesting. Let's uh, talk about another notion that I think would surprise people as it relates to online marketing, and that's where you say the secret to online is offline. Can you explain that? Absolutely. Yes, so the secret to online marketing for me and for many others has been offline networking, of offline relationships. And you mentioned a whole lot of blurbs in the book at the start of the um, show, Douglas. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those is a result of forming a relationship with somebody. And most of them have been eventually an in-person relationship. So I've met them at a conference or met them for a cup of coffee. But there's been the human relationship side of online marketing. Because we can't, we can't do this stuff on our own. You know? it's only, you're only going to get so far if you just write good content all day. There's got to be the point where you promote the content and form relationships with people in the industry. And offline is awesome for that because you get to actually have a much deeper relationship, even just by virtue of the fact that if you say hello and shake somebody's hand at a conference and say, hi, Douglas, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. Lovely to meet you. I'm Adam. I've been listening to your show for a while. You know, that is a much deeper connection than exchanging emails or exchanging tweets Mm -hmm. and of course exchanging tweets and exchanging emails is a very very important step in that relationship process but to actually press the flesh is incredibly valuable and that's one of the many reasons why toby and i go to we handpick a a bunch of great conferences to attend and we were speaking earlier about uh, actually offline about the inbound 2012 conference in boston and the speaker lineup and some of the other attendees that were going to that were just exactly the people we, want, we wanted to be connecting with and learning from. So we uh, packed our bags and flew all the way over from Sydney to, to Boston and attended that event. And I, and, I, and I know you were there, Douglas, and it was a fantastic occasion. And we're maintaining the relationships with people that we've met there even three years on. Um, so in-person, relation, in-person offline relationships are, are very, very powerful and you don't have to just go to other people's conferences. A really powerful way is to, is to run your own events. Mm-hmm. And that way you're the host, you're the connector, and there's a lot of uh, good, good value in being 
the person or the, or the people that actually connect others as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought the book was, just to be honest, it, it was much more helpful. <laughs> I read a lot of marketing books, and so do you, but this was extremely helpful and very honest. In other words, you'll read other web marketing books, and they might not ever talk about a notion like that. Like, you know, the online actually helps the offline, and the offline is where it, it, it really is important. So two of the things I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up, and one is that it just it warmed the cockles of my heart, and that's where you talk about social media versus email. And it's never really one versus the other. But I saw a report from McKinsey recently that talked about how email marketing is 40 times more effective than social media at customer acquisition. And you go into this quite a bit in the book. Could you explain the relationship and why email marketing is so much more important? Well, if, yeah, if you think about it, look, everybody's got email. It's funny, I, I do some um, presentations about this topic and I ask the audience, so put your hand up if you've got an email address and everybody put the, puts their hand up and I say, and keep your hand up if you use that email address for business purposes and all the hands stay up. And then I say, and who wants to keep your hand up if you, if you want more email in your inbox? And everyone looks around and pulls their hand down. Nobody wants more email, but it is the most effective form of online marketing particularly when it comes to client acquisition because we've all got an email address and we all use it for business and we use it every day. Whereas we're not on Twitter all day every day, we're not on Facebook all day every day and we're not on LinkedIn all day every day. So email is still the primary business tool that we all use and it's a much, uh, it's a much deeper and more intimate relationship via email partly or mainly because once something arrives in your inbox, you've got to action it. You've got to either delete it, um, put it across to spam, or, or read it and action it. And whereas, whereas Facebook or Twitter, like if you're not looking at the news feed when that waterfall of, of water of information is, is, is flowing past you, you don't, you don't see it. You miss it. So you're only seeing what's there at any one point in time when you happen to be logged in. Mm-hmm. Whereas email, it all just comes into your inbox and... And um, and it's there. It, it 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 builds up, but it's the primary form of business communication. And and because people can just reply to you, it is so important to be building an email list and then to be communicating with those people on a regular basis about information that they're actually interested in. So segmenting the email list is very important as well. Mm-hmm. Very important. I like to remind people that it's only spam if the recipient doesn't want it. Absolutely, absolutely. There are emails that I look forward to getting too uh, from organizations, even organizations I buy from. So finally, Adam, social media is the last part of your book. Can you explain why? Social media is like the icing on the cake, Douglas, but you need the cake first. So you need all the stuff that, well, I think you mentioned earlier, rented land versus owned land. You need your own, you need to build your marketing asset on your, the land that you own. And so the stuff that you own online is your blog, your website, your email marketing list of contacts. So people, if Google changes the rules or if Facebook changes the rules, you've still got your website and your email list. So you need that foundational stuff first. And you need to be building that asset of content that lives on your own property, on your blog, on your website. Mm-hmm. Once you've got that, however, social media is the icing on the cake because it can really amplify what you're doing. 
So you might have a really great blog post on your owned property, but then you can then share that out to Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and mention people who it might be relevant for them to, to look at. And then all of a sudden, that piece of content can be shared through social networks and it can ripple out to other people. But if you don't have the foundation of your um, blog and, and first, then all you're doing on social media is socializing. And I compare that, I draw an analogy between if, if, you, if you were going out to restaurants and long lunches or business lunches or entertaining people at um, restaurants, but you didn't actually have a business, then all you're doing is just socializing. It sounds like and, fun, actually. <laughs> it, it does sound like fun, and it is fun. It's what most people call recreation. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's fun to catch up with friends for dinner, just like it's fun to, to muck around on social media. Mm-hmm. It's recreation, but it's not business and it's not marketing, which is what most people do. But us as marketers and us as business owners, we need to appreciate the difference between mucking around on Facebook versus sharing content on Facebook that drives people back to your home base and then has a commercial outcome. Mm-hmm. Because same with in real life, if you're out having it at a, at, a, at a long lunch or a business dinner or something, it's great. It's great fun. And if you swap business cards and say, you sound interesting, Douglas, here's my details, can you email me that stuff you spoke about, that's, that's when the commercial relationship begins and it, it begins at the social event and then it migrates and moves to a business setting like the office the next day for a catch-up. Same with social media. You might post something great to Facebook. People might say, that sounds really interesting. I'll click on that. I'll come back to your website, read the blog article, download a piece of content, and all of a sudden, you're swapping details via a landing page, and that's that same equivalent of a business card swap. And then that commercial stuff happens at your home base, at your blog, at your website, and via email. So that's that's why social media is important, but it's, yeah, it's the icing on the cake that comes last, not first. It brings to mind one of my favorite quotes often attributed to the author Jay Baer, which is, content is fire, social media is gasoline. Yes, yes, I, I love that quote from Jay. So Adam, if readers took only one thing away from your book, what would you hope it would be? It would be to realize that if you can uncover or create a flagship piece of content, and by that I mean to paraphrase Jay Bear as well, a piece of content so valuable that people would be prepared to pay for it if you ask them. Like your templates. Like my templates, exactly. That story I told you about the web strategy planning template, uncover your own piece of content like that because that's going to pay dividends for years, get you backlinks, get shares, get you known. So it's a piece of content that you can be known for. So it's more than just a lead magnet. A lot of people use the language lead magnet, which I understand because you're attracting leads in. But a lot, a lot of time lead magnets get downloaded and they just sit on the server and nobody ever reads them. Flagship content to me is a, a step further in that it's content that you're known for that's really helpful and you're helping people with whatever it is they need help with but you're the person who's doing it, and in doing so, you're earning trust and authority in their eyes. So if if there's one thing that listeners get out of the show, it's to think about what they could create or uncover as flagship content. And the reason I say uncover flagship content is because most people have it already. They just don't necessarily see it in that light. For example, people might have a 
document that they show to prospective clients in a one-on-one meeting that they give away for free that's really valuable, that showcases and delivers value as to why they should be doing business with you. Now, it's great to have it to have it and to have it in those in those closed door meetings. But if you were then to take that and share it with the world by publishing it on your website, you could be attracting a whole bunch more people into your ecosystem by publishing and making it freely available. So have a think about what you already use that you share with people to demonstrate why you're so good to do business with. It's interesting how companies have so much content already and yet they think they have to create everything from whole cloth. That's uh, a, I guess a sub- <laughs> subject for another, uh, another talk. And uh, just quickly, you know, the best place to find that stuff is in your, you've got it in, in drawers on computers, in sent items. There's a ton of content that you've, that you've written. You know, we're writing thousands of words per day these days. Everybody, even if you're not a writer in inverted commas, we're writing email. And half the time we're emailing people who have genuine questions about certain things. And we're writing these beautifully crafted, tailored emails as if it was to one person because it is. And that's what makes good content on a blog. And so if you go through your sent items and look at questions that you've answered for other people, you've got these pre-written blog articles already sitting in your inbox. You just need to put them online Some companies, in, in a public setting. Yes, and, and I know some companies where they have fully embraced this idea of producing helpful content, when like salespeople or customer service people are answering a question, uh, they'll even like they'll blind copy the content person. <laughs> just, oh, that is such a good idea. Just so that they can start to capture examples of questions that are being answered all the time. That's some of them. I think it's a more sophisticated trick, but it's, it's, uh, it's a great example of how content can be used and reused. And there are a lot more experts <laughs> within companies than a lot of companies realize. So uh, before we wrap up, let me ask you a few questions that are popular with the listeners. Is there a recent marketing book that you've read that you recommend? Yes, there is. And it's called The Brain Audit by Sean D'Souza, who is one of my favorite marketers at the moment. And The Brain Audit is, is about marketing and sales in, a, in an online sense. Well, it's a psychology behind it. And he talks about the fact that, say, for example, you went to an airport and you had put seven bags onto the plane, you wouldn't leave the airport until seven bags came off the carousel um, and you could then leave the airport. So he goes through and talks about what the equivalent of like a, of an online sale and the, and the marketing and sales messaging that you need to deliver to the customer for them to come with you on that journey. So if you tell if you if you do the equivalent of only only handing back six bags when they need seven, they're going to stay at the airport until that bag comes out. And if that bag never comes out, they're never coming on that journey with you. So he, he paints a picture and describes in detail what those seven bags are in terms of what you need to be delivering through your messaging and on your in your marketing to give people the confidence to come on that journey with you. It was a really neat analogy, and I, I, I probably haven't done it anywhere near as much justice as I, as I could have, but it's called The Brain Audit by Sean D'Souza. Well, that's really interesting. I was just looking it up while you were talking about it. Uh, we'll definitely link up to that in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, but now I've got another book to read. 
Thanks, Adam. He's um, brilliant. He really liked it. <laughs> Sounds great. Let me ask you, are there any books on your upcoming reading list you're looking forward <laughs> to reading? Yes, yes. And I'm, I, as I said, I'm a bit of a Sean D'Souza fan right now. And he's got a brand new book um, called Dartboard Pricing. And I'm such a he, – he was one of the guests on, on my podcast, Douglas, and I – it was really random. I, I was watching this replay of, a, of Darren Rouse and Brian Clark and Sonia Simone at, I think, Blog World from maybe 2010 doing mm-hmm. a, a panel discussion. Those are the folks and, from uh, Copyblogger. From Copyblogger. And, and, and Darren Rouse is from Problogger. And That's they were having this great, this great discussion. And, and Brian Clark mentioned Sean D'Souza. And he actually mentioned his, I think they called it the bikini principle of. Uh, Content marketing, and just a side story that that the concept of that that Sean D'Souza came up with is that people are worried about giving away too much content, and the fact that if you give away too much value, then why would they want to come and do business with you anyway? And Sean's uh, bikini concept is that you can actually the more the more you give away, the more you reveal, and the more that you show, it only increases the desire to do business with you. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the common thinking that if you tell people everything that they need to know, it's going to decrease your chances of winning the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's the bikini principle of, of, of content marketing. The book Dartboard Pricing, I have I've bought and I've downloaded to my Kindle, and I've, I think I'm about the first chapter or two in. But pricing is such a mystery to many people, mm-hmm. and there's no. Logical, rational thought that necessarily goes into it. In that, you know, he gives examples of bottles of, of whiskey that could sell for ten thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars, and they don't necessarily taste any different. But what is it that makes people pay these premium prices? And what is it that um, you know? What, what price points and, and the stories that you build into it? What what works and why do you need to do it? So that's the one I'm most exciting excited about at that. Um, getting my way through dartboard pricing by Sean D'Souza. Oh, great recommendations! Thanks. So, how can listeners find out more about you and your book? Okay, so you can head to my website, and I'll give you the URL. I've set up a special page for your listeners, Douglas. Oh, so if, yeah, yeah. So I've got thirty-three marketing templates. These are for free. These are the ones that you can that I mentioned in the book. But you can get your hands on those for free as a listener. And then if you like the templates and you find them valuable, then that's wonderful. That's, that's really good. Then I'm sure you'll like the book as well. Um, so the website that I've, the web page I've set up for you, Douglas, is bluewiremedia.com.au. So that's blue like the color, wire, um, W-I-R-E, and then media.com.au for Australia. So and then slash marketing book so bluewiremedia.com.au slash marketing book and if listeners head there they can download all 33 marketing templates and that is the best way to to keep in touch i'll send you an email you'll have all my details and whatnot on it so that's the best the best thing and if, if anyone wants to tweet me i'm at franklin underscore adam well thank you for for doing that for the listeners i really appreciate that The name of the book is Web Marketing That Works, Confessions from the Marketing Trenches. The authors are Adam Franklin and Toby Jenkins. 
Adam, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Douglas, and thanks for the kind words about the book and everything else. I really appreciate the effort that you've gone to for this um, interview. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything mentioned are in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast newsletter to get notified of every new episode, its show notes, links, and other useful things. Also, at marketingbookpodcast.com, there are about 20 free marketing ebooks on a wide variety of topics that lots of people have found helpful. If you're one of the people who's left an iTunes or Stitcher review, I really appreciate it, and it has more impact than you might realize. A one-sentence review shoots the podcast way up in the listings. Finally, I get such a kick out of hearing from my listeners. It really makes my day. To send a message, just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the Contact Podcast button. Got an idea or suggestion? Maybe I'm doing something wrong? Let me know. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Till next time. So be honest, when, when you all come to the United States, you eat all your dinners at Outback Steakhouse? Yeah. <laughs>